You are listening to the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you by Asahi Super Dry, the official beer of the World Cup. On today's show, we have a doctor, a mastermind, and a magician in Jamie Roberts, Bernard Jackman, and Nico Matawalu. Lovely to see you, lads. Welcome to France. I know you've uh, been out here for a little while watching. Can we just start with that? Rugby World Cup 2023 in France. How would you sum it up so far? Phenomenal. For the very first game, France-New Zealand, um, it just kicked off and the French fans have been incredible as we know. There's an unbelievable rugby culture here, but all the visiting fans, whether it's the Portuguese last night, the Fijians, the Georgians, everybody's bought into it and what a country. I'd say unpredictable. I say that because I've got all my predictions <laughs> dreadfully wrong. Um, but it's just amazing, isn't it? Those are, you, we want to see rugby games that are competitive and we want to see you know, opinions flying everywhere and, and people obviously caring about results. Um, like, it's, it's been incredible. And as Bernard said, what a country to host it. I mean, you know, all the stadiums have been magnificent, the fans in full voice. Some of the occasions and moments this tournament has created, are, you know, the legacy it's leaving behind lasts a lifetime. You're so right. It's, when it's unpredictable, it's so much fun for a fan. You know, maybe not for your team, but for the neutral. What, what have you made of it? I, I, I will say surprise. Some good, like a uh, tier two uh, team, they put their hands up, they play really decent uh, rugby. And uh, that's what rugby is about for all the tier two to put their hands up for the tier one nation. Well, it was tier two against tier two, some might say, last night, just a few hours ago, Fiji, Portugal. Exactly. You didn't see it though. Did you, did you get back in time for it? I did. I uh, I called the missus once I arrived yeah. to to video call, yeah. and she was talking. I said, "No, just move the screen to the <laughs> yeah to, to the TV. I want to watch the game." So I saw ten ten, and then uh, Portugal scored a try. I was like, "Okay, I'll call you later." <laughs> I'll, but uh, they really played really really well. They've been great, be and they've been great watching Portugal in the World I, Cup. I was hugely impressed with them against Wales. Yeah, uh, that match in Nice um, just. After 20 minutes, I was like, wow, mm. wow. It's, and it's not just their attitudes of playing. You know, I think all rugby teams now, all the players are going to give everything. That's, that's a given. But the quality of their rugby, you know, the quality and their yeah. width and the, their shape and, and how they play. Last night, it epitomised that. They were yeah. absolutely brilliant. Difference yeah. is Wales went on to win. Fiji didn't. So, what, you're 17-10 down. Are you still confident at that point? Oh, I know you're close with, with the boys. I know your brother was playing nine last night. What were they saying? What was the mindset? Uh, I spoke to the, some of the boys uh, after the game. Portugal just knew what's coming. They destroy all the set pieces, line out especially. That's what Fiji are good at. They just stop it. Yeah. yeah. There was that 14-point swing, wasn't there? And you yeah. think Portugal, they're seven points yeah. up. They almost went the length, yeah. dropped the ball. Exactly. And you, you went the other side. I mean, that saved the game. I was getting quite excited because my original prediction of Australia making the final <laughs> might, have, oh! might have come true, but I was proved wrong. I have to say, though, Jay, you did persevere with that for yeah, a long horrendous. time. Horrendous. Yeah, horrendous. And I put my hands up now. <laughs> I apologise to everyone out there. What were your other predictions just quickly that went wrong? I, I, thought, I thought the All Blacks would beat France. Open match got that wrong. Yeah. I thought Scotland right. would That's... upset the box. Yeah. Got that wrong. Um, I talk about unpredictability. <laughs> I, I thought Scotland Ireland would be a ten-point match. Maybe I didn't see that result coming. France Italy thought that would be a bit of a bit of a nervy game. Absolutely blew them off the park. So I'm getting them all wrong. Oh well. Just just on Fiji, uh, the Fijian coach Simon Rao Louis is a guy I got to know pretty well when, when, he was, when I was coaching in France. He was coaching in um, 
uh, Stade Francais and we did our co pro licence together but I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago after they beat Australia and, and apparently Australia had three sports psychologists whatever right he was asked how do you feel about you know the resources they have and, and you don't have and he said oh look we don't have that but we have a preacher a preacher and, and because for us our boys it's, it's faith and family is, is huge and he's kind of like a sports psychologist first I thought it was brilliant but I actually don't think he, he obviously can use his preacher but he needs a cardiologist I mean the, the way they play would would, would, break, would break your heart you know what I mean um, if you're the coach because they're so loose uh, and I felt so sorry for him the coaching box he stays calm they stay calm but I, I'm sure underneath he's like, he's like a swan of water heart rate heart rate water on him yeah. um, and uh, because they would drive you bananas you know what I mean but now they have England and I think underdogs is going to suit them yeah. and uh, we're just talking I think Fiji are the kind of team who can actually just park that Park that loss, whereas most other teams going into a quarterfinal on the back of a loss would be all down themselves. And, and they'll wake up this morning and say, we're in a quarterfinal, it's against England, let's go. Uh, it's yeah. going to be fascinating to watch that. It's going yeah. to motivate them, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Simon Rowley has done a brilliant job. I used, to, I used to run on the pitch and ask for his autograph at Newport Did you? as a young kid. <laughs> of course, yeah. he played and it, he was, didn't he? Yeah, he, was, he was coaching and wrestling when I, when I wanted to play in Paris as well. He's, he's done a brilliant job with that group, yeah. really brought them together. <laughs> just really funny then, Bernard, when you're talking about our coach's nightmare. He was just giggling away. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What's that about? Is it just you just like playing, or you just ignore the coaches? What is it? <laughs> no, like I really like agree what uh, they say. That's what uh, Fiji rugby plays is about. Like family come first, and as a coach, like Samana Rawalui, he already been in a rugby jersey before, so he already know what it's used to. Yeah. be like mm. and now he tried to get like more new uh good ideas yeah so what's different what's different now oh, to this okay. Fiji to the one Drua Drua team that comes over develop very good players mm. that develop like that already been into Fiji that is the difference isn't that professionalism hey Jamie I walked in uh, to um Philippe Saint-André's third summer house <laughs> here in France uh, for the podcast today and uh, it's a guy called Freddie who just hangs around here pretending it's his place he's quite famous around here Freddie and after he tried to say bonjour for the fifth time to me he then said hey mate Wales going to win the World Cup I got really excited after they beat Australia. <laughs> I was pitch side. I was like, "Yeah, we're in." I um, they, they've been one of the success stories of the tournament, and that's that's from an objective position. I, I think they've been magnificent from where Wales have come twelve months ago. You know, I think the Georgia weekend. There's just been some that we lost to Georgia at home uh, in November, and obviously there was a lot of change after that. Um, it was kind of our lowest point for a long time. Uh, Warren Gatlin comes in and. He is, he's gone back to basics, I think, with his team. I think when you, when you come in, you've got a bit of a short turnaround with teams, but you, you tell me, you've, you've coached the game. Mm. You go after the low-hanging fruit, your S&C, your set-piece, getting kind of the DNA back in the side. And I, I watch Wales now, they've got their DNA back. They've got some wonderful players, but they're playing together and they're playing with a purpose. They're, that kind of pressure game, they're up there with any side in the world in the way they pressure wow. sides. You know, their kick-chase game, the... The, the understanding when to kick pass, running damn bigger. They've got a, a serious operator um, who controls risk in the game. Um, and I, I think they'd be magnificent. You know, whether we're going to win it or not. Well, because <laughs> your predictions are so good, but you go as far as saying they If win. I say Wales aren't going to win it, yeah, they, they might, might win they it. Probably yeah, win yeah. it. But, uh, yeah. I mean, look, the quarterfinals are a toss of a coin. I mean, come on to discuss that. It's, uh, I mean, where, where do you see Wales development? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, what do you want to do first? No, uh, I was going to say, as, no, as well, I, 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 I think Gatlin was the right man. He obviously had that... Uh, credibility among the squad um, they believe in him but he needed that pre-season 
He's always been, you've been part of it, he's always put so much faith in in fitness and convincing the players that um, they're as fit as anybody. But it probably was very hard to do that during the Six Nations with, yeah. you know, with short preparation time. Obviously, he doesn't have Sean Edwards, but you know they seem to defensively be back to nearly that level. Yeah. Um, probably better off without the ball or certainly better off playing that cup cup type rugby which is playing the percentages dominating territory and not being so focused about the possession but then making good decisions and just having four or five players who on their day can win a game and, and Davies at scrum half is one of them Faletau I think is a big loss mm. I think that's a, a bit of a blow but I thought Dan Bigger I thought he's carried him to victory he's nearly like a one man crusade and he's mm. so influential around him and no one wants to play him in knockout rugby because the, the way they play you have to be very very good to break it down and as the pressure mounts, as you get closer to finals, having an all singing, all dancing game isn't always what you want. You don't want to be level with Wales at 60 minutes, no. do you? No. Like, no. Yeah, and so you don't want to overplay against Wales yeah, either yeah. because they look so comfortable defensively. I mean, credit to you know, name Chetland, Mike Fordshaw, yeah. Alex King. Well, yeah. They've both done a brilliant job. Yeah. A brilliant job. That Welsh defence looks as comfortable to me than it has in a long mm. time. In mold, teams are trying to go multi phase, just going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Gatlin's become a bit of a superstar, hasn't he? You You've got a bit of history. With yeah, he's my first. Um, he's bounced back. I mean, a year ago, people were saying, "Oh, why did he come back? Has he lost his, his Midas touch?" Because obviously, the Lions series was was frustrating for him, and obviously, Waikato. But you don't say he might not have come back. No, if he knew <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that, yeah. But he, in fairness to him, he hasn't panicked. He's just said, "Right, when I get him together for the summer, I can influence him." And he's bounced back. But he gave me my first ever contract, uh, rugby and professional in Ireland in '97. Uh, so he coached me in Connacht and then he brought me to South Africa as a, as a young 19-year-old um, on, on an old-fashioned tour, six weeks. And uh, we lost the first game to Western Province. Irish rugby was in a pretty bad state. And, uh, and one night he took out a, a, we had a team meeting before we played a team called Boland yeah, in George. Mm. And he said, look at lads, whenever I played the Irish, the Welsh, the Scots or the English, we used to laugh, for Waikato or for New Zealand, we used to look and laugh at how pasty and unathletic you looked. Um, so we're going to try some, some fake tan. So um, he goes... <laughs> Jackman and Trevor Brennan was this fellow. He ended up playing for Toulouse. He goes, you're the two widest in the room. And obviously the two, <laughs> two, the two most naive as well, right? So he gave us this bottle with no instructions. Now, I have a 17-year-old daughter. I know a lot more about fake tan now than I did then, right? But we go up to the bedroom and I told we just do our face, and I've obviously a lot of face, um, our, our forearms and our quads, because obviously you wear your so socks up, whatever. And Trevor Brennan goes, no, no, we're going to Sea Point, which is a, a beach on Thursday. We have to do the full body, right? So... Um, <laughs> He was wearing white fronts, I'll never forget. I was wearing boxer shorts and uh, we basically applied the fake tan all over, okay? And nothing happened, okay? Nothing happened. So Trevor goes, we better do another cover, right? So we did, a, we ended up doing three three layers, okay? Double Plastered dip, on. Double dip, double, triple, triple dips, right? And then nothing happened. So uh, Trevor goes, oh, Gatlin's taking the mick out of us. It's, it's obviously <laughs> just shampoo or whatever. I woke up at six o'clock in the morning. It was like I had an accident in the bed, right? Um, <laughs> and, and I looked over at Brennan, all like, like he was like a, a mandarin orange, right? So um, I shouted at him, all I could see were the whites of his eyes. He pointed at me. So two of us in the shower trying to get it off, but it doesn't come off straight away. So down to breakfast, um, obviously everyone's having a great laugh. Uh, I look like an umpalumpa from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, the problem was I was on the bench that day for Ireland, right? And um, we were wearing these white Nike jerseys. And effectively, uh, as soon as you start to warm up and sweat, it starts to run. Yeah. So basically, my jersey was my white jersey wow. was like I, I'd been eating chocolates. Uh, I was covered in it. But my poor mum, like my mum, has followed me around, and she's probably when she sees this, she's gonna be worried about me getting burnt. But uh, <laughs> she's been following me around since I was two or three with Factor Fifty, right? Okay. She's watching the match on Sky Sports with my sister. 
and she sees me coming off the bench or whatever and uh, God bless her she says oh the sun must be very different in South Africa Bernard's got a colour or whatever <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, that's my um, my most embarrassing that's moment in rugby trying to get ahead <laughs> exactly that was like a weird phase in Welsh rugby as well do you remember Henson Hooky, those they loved the That was their choice, though. That was their choice because they believed if you look good, right? If you look good, feel good, play good. (laughs) I coached Gavin Henson in the Dragons, and um, obviously he's quite sallow, but I think he's fond of the fake tan. And uh, my my fitness coach came to me one day and said, Gavin hasn't turned up for ice bats for two weeks. So anyway, I rang Gav and I was like, Gav, what's the story? And he goes, Oh no, the chlorine that you put in takes away my, my tan so I have my own ice baths up, up in the house so that was, a, that was a new one for me as a coach he's different <laughs> one, he's <laughs> every little bit but Gatlin's that, that's the thing I've said this before Jave. you know him better than anyone I imagine you probably love him and hated him at times when you were doing those training camps he does know how to get the very best out of every player doesn't he what was your experience of that when you play with him there's probably three examples where I can reflect and think right Gats kind of wanted to push the button with me uh, to motivate me one I was uh, training camp in Sparla pre-Rugby World Cup 2011 went out for fitness first thing in the morning on the try line ready to go is this the altitude Sparla? Mm, uh, no it's when we had the cryotherapy oh, yeah, the yeah, altitude yeah. bit was in, in kind of Switzerland yeah, that's right yeah Lined up on the on the try line, ready to go. Um, and he comes over. He's like, well, "Jeremy, you're not training with the lads. You're in the pool. You've got to swim and do lengths for an hour without touching the touching the floor because you haven't weighed in in the morning. You know, he plays monitor in the morning. I forgot to do that because I was probably quite tired and I just completely forgot before breakfast. But it was one of those oh. first first guy to commit the commit the crime of forgetting to weigh in, go and pay the penalty. So I had to swim for an hour, and I'm horrific at swimming. <laughs> It's like over the water, sea like, lion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another one, I, you know, myself and Scotty Williams competed for the Welsh jersey for for quite a few years with Wales, and I'd, I remember being at the Vale, walking down the corridor once, and the only other person coming the other way was Warren Gatland, and he, he look, he didn't, he didn't, he kind of kept his distance a bit from the players back then. I'm sure he's a bit different now, but. He just walked past and go, gee, Scott Williams trained well today. <laughs> and I, I went to give an answer. He's already 10 metres away. He's gone. Doesn't want to hear my reply. Um, just mind games then. Oh, yeah. And look, I, the, the 20, 2010 was probably the most brutal. I, um, you know, the Lions went well in 2009 and, you know, kind of got player of the series there. Started to do a bit more in the press and sponsorship and bits like that around the game, as, as players do. Team meeting, Six Nations. I think we were playing England at the weekend. You know, sat in a team meeting after lunch, ahead of going out for the afternoon session. Team meeting finishes and he just goes, oh, before we go, um, you know, Jamie, when are you going to start concentrating on your rugby? And just walked away. Wow. Like in front of all the lads. <laughs> really? In front of all oh, the lads. Did, did, that, did, you, did that hit a nerve or did you think, oh, wow, I'm, I'm oh, It was brutal. It was brutal. You can imagine <laughs> the lads had a yeah, field. Yeah. Like, yeah. Walking out to train and the boys just absolutely ripping into me. But um, I think he kind of knew I was the sort of character who would react to that, uh, personality to react to it. And uh, I made it savage, absolutely savage. But it motivated me. I mean, when he got a coach calling you out, you know, kind of a bit of a reset button is probably doing a bit too much off the field and not concentrating on it and sometimes it needs an easy honesty like that from a coach in front of other lads um, you know to give you a bit of a rocket so yeah serve me well what would he have said about your Elton John glasses if you'd yeah, he'd love these mate <laughs> happy days <laughs> <laughs> never judge Gath uh, no you look great mate you look very south of Francie 
I have, a, I have another story about Gatlin actually um, when he coached Wasp before he, he went to Wales um, they had a brilliant Samoan hooker Trevor Liotta oh, yeah. uh, he was a monster right? but um, he could tend to be a bit loose around his diet so uh, so Gatlin <laughs> can we all <laughs> yeah he was the only one and I, look at, I, I was at Fat Club every summer so uh, I, I'm not throwing, throwing stones here but um, Gatlin worked out that his ideal fighting weight was 126 kilos okay and he, the Craig White who, uh, who worked in Ireland, brilliant fitness guy. His job was obviously to get the team fit, but also weigh everybody on, on a Monday, particularly Trevor. Mm. So um, don't miss weighing day. Don't miss weighing day. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you wait. You wait. You missed it for a reason. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Trevor one two six kilos. Gatlin was supposed to be told if he went up, up at all. He was supposed to be notified. So Gatlin noticed that his performance had started to drop a little bit, and he started to get a bit tighter in his in his jersey. So. Um, after about six weeks, anyway, Gatlin reckoned he definitely put on weight. So he said to Craig White, oh, give me the uh, the stats there and, and the sheet for, for Trevor. And basically, six weeks ago, it was 125.8. The next week, it might be 126.1. Pretty much bang on, 126. Like, like so regular, it wasn't funny. So Gatlin was like, Jesus, he said, he looks like he's put on a bit of weight. Bring him down to the local pharmacy and weigh him down there, okay? So they brought him down. And next thing, Craig White came into the office, like white as a ghost, whatever, and he's like, oh, we've got a problem. He said, oh, what's going on? He goes, he's 132, right? Okay. But I thought you said yesterday he was he was 126. He was. Right? So, so he said, this is bizarre, or whatever. So um, they brought him, Trevor in, and, and he started to give him a bit of a bollocking, whatever. And Trevor just put the head down and like very remorseful, didn't really say much. And uh, so Warren said, look, go home. Get your shit sorted out, right? So about 10 days later, he said to Craig, have you been talking to Trevor or whatever, right? And, Tre and Craig's like, no, I thought you had or whatever. I said, Craig, uh, Trevor just gone home and hadn't come back, right? Uh, so Gatlin thought, oh, he must be pounding the streets, whatever, getting himself down to 126. He doesn't want to come back till he's 126. So um, he rang him and said, look, get your ass in here or whatever. So they brought him down to the pharmacy and he was he was 136. He put on another four or whatever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so Gatlin goes, no more time off. You're staying in here. But it worked out how he did it. So basically... They went down to, so they used to train in some old school and the, the, there was a little room off the sports hall where the, the Wayne scales was, right? Where they kept the brooms and the committee. So what, it was backwards, whatever. But um, Trevor was so, I don't know if you remember him, but he was about five foot mm. eight mm. tall, five foot eight wide, whatever. Mm. But he was so wide, he could actually stand in the Wayne scales and just use his elbows off the wall to balance himself, whatever, right? Whereas no one else could. So because he was so wide, Trevor, Craig didn't realise it. So he was able to basically manipulate the scales oh, with his elbows amazing. to get to one, two, six. So then Gatland put Craig White living with him for about six weeks, got him down to one, two, six. And he played, his first match back was against Munster in Lansdowne Road in a, a European Cup semi-final. He was man of the match. He was man of the match and he, he won that game for Washington. They won the final and won the first European Cup. So yeah, his methods are, he, like he's... He he's funny. Been, he's old school, new school, isn't he? He so could have been 145 yeah. kegs. He would have been if he had been left alone. Am I thinking Northern Hemisphere rugby isn't a good place going into the quarterfinals here? Like, would you call most of them favourites, Northern Hemisphere teams? I, th I think two best Northern Hemisphere teams are playing the two best Southern Hemisphere teams in a quarterfinal. Uh, um, I, I certainly believe that. But yeah, Northern Hemisphere rugby is... Uh, I, I don't know how much better we are. We are because I think Scotland have obviously their their performance against Ireland not qualifying again for quarterfinal. I know they're in a tough group. Wales are obviously looking like they've bounced back, but over the last couple of years have been on a bit of a dip. But I think it's Australia really who've who dropped off, and I, I, th I still think South Africa. Jamie's prediction to win the world. Yeah, no, I, I fancy when Eddie Jones got that job. I, I I understand where Jamie's coming from. I thought they would be much better, but it just obviously hasn't happened for them. There's still a lot of talent in, in that group. The reality is, in, in in two or three years' time, people won't be saying, "Oh, the top." 
uh, the top four, the four winners of the group were Northern Hemisphere. If a Southern Hemisphere team wins it, it's about one of those four now going and, and finishing the job and, and becoming only the second Northern Hemisphere team to ever win it. That's so, the. So, that's so the, in your opinion, can can I think it? Ireland and France could do it? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, yeah. um, I think I hope it's Ireland. I, I think we've got unbelievable momentum, but it's a kick of a ball. You know, it's it's an injury, it's a red card, it's a an interception that will decide it. There's there's no clear cut team. Just we're building nicely. France obviously have a phenomenal opportunity with the home crowd behind them. Anton Dupont probably coming back for the quarterfinal. But South Africa going to be so hard to beat. I know. It's good. Like that, that, um, that, this weekend is going to be phenomenal. It's yeah. funny when you just said that about like it could be anything, kick of a ball or a sending off. I immediately thought of 2011. No, let's yeah. not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, was it? Let's not talk about I was, it. I, I randomly watched that game uh, in a bunker in Afghanistan and I was having all kinds of issues about you know perspective of life. But as a Welsh rugby fan with a few Welsh boys out there watching, it still hurts. Does it? It still hurts. Yeah. It's the worst, day, worst day of my rugby career, and I think I think all the Welsh lads on the on the pitch that day would agree, would agree with you. It does feel like that other half of the draw um, is it, playing at another level of intensity at the minute. I think yeah, the games we've been a lot seen, of talk about that, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the games we've seen that you know those teams playing in, it feels it's another level of rugby. But as you say, Bernard, knockout rugby. I mean, all it takes is, you know, an interception try here, a card there. It is what it is. And, you know, 2011 was was pretty brutal for us. I mean, if you look back at Wales's last three World Cup campaigns, 2011, we lose a semi-final by a point. Obviously, a red, we should have won it anyway, but the red card to Sam, you know, fast forward 2015, quarterfinal, Springboks, last minute try. Right, 2019, last minute penalty, semi-final, Springboks. So Wales have been desperately no, close, okay. desperately mm. close mm. the last three tournaments. Um, fourth time lucky. Just on, just on that, Jamie, and I, I, I was shocked by this. I did. So, I was speaking to Johnny Sexton a couple of months ago. He believes, and, and the Irish players believe, that when you come up against those top teams, it actually is the bounce of a ball, or it could be the bounce of a ball. And I, and I find that amazing because we think that these players, they're so process-driven and get the process right, the outcome will look after itself. But they, they also accept that at this level... It could be just one error, mm. one referee mistake, mm. one bounce of a ball. And I think it's it's phenomenal to put so much effort in. Like effectively, just take Johnny Sexton, this is 18 years in the making, his last opportunity to yeah. do something in a World Cup. And you're actually saying, we're going to go out there and give it absolutely everything we have. But we understand that maybe on the day, it'll be a bounce of the ball to us or to them that will decide it. It's it's strange, you know, but they do accept that. They accept yeah. that. And, that. And that's the respect they have for, for every other team. That That's how close it is. So I, I think you can mitigate against that by getting your S&C mm. top draw. Come minute 70, minute 75, in these knockout games, this is where these games are going to be decided. At the end of the game, when everyone is absolutely knackered, and all it's going to take is one mistake from, a, from someone who's maybe not quite fit enough, not quite at that level, or someone who's fitter than the opposite number, just making one decision. Wow. One decision. That's, that is, is that why... What it's coming down to? That's that is what it's coming down to. It's, oh, yeah. it's one error, it's one moment of genius. And it, that clarity of thought when you've got your S&C spot on and you're, and you're super fit is so much better in players. And that's why the fittest teams often win these tournaments. Well, uh, so, look, when you think about Fiji and England then, I've just said like Northern Hemisphere teams might be favourites. Got plenty of magicians in that Fijian side. You have the fitness now. Surely in that dressing room, they are talking about Now, winning. their mindset for this week, for the quarterfinal, I think they're gonna, they need to bring their A game, like against England on the warm-up before the World Cup. They win all the set pieces, all the rocks. If they do that again, and accuracy of passes, 
like they do offload. If they bring that mindset, mm. I'm not going to surprise England will fall down on the quarterfinals. Yeah, that's, Fiji beating England now is not a surprise. That's one of the things we've learned from this World Cup, right? They, what is a surprise anymore? The quality behind the scrum puts the fear of God into any, <laughs> any, any side in Sesh Rugby. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, how do you prepare? How do you prepare against that in the week? You know, defensively, you're facing Fiji scrums, whether they're in their own half or inside your 22. I mean, the, the, the capability of the strike runners is frightening. Absolutely frightening. And I, watching England-Samoa, I think they lost the, the physical battle in that game. And, you know, watch out because like Fiji, Fiji will have watched that game, certainly after what happened at Twickenham, but watching that game in the tournament, I think if England don't quite get their physical, physicality right in front it's up... Sweet, F- Fiji, Fiji will think they can get the edge here, I think. I've got so many questions about you and I want to ask you about the 10, 12, 13 axis for England. Maybe we'll get back to that in a second. Jay, I don't want to go back to 2011 because I know but it you still do. Uh, Is it true that... Um, so Vincent Clerk is the guy that Sam tackles. Is it true that they stitched Sam up on the way home from Sydney? Do you know this story? No, go on. But I think Sam flew back a day after everyone else and he flew back on the same plane as the French players and all the French players jumped in a seat and left Vincent Clerk on his own. So the only seat that Sam had was next to Vincent Clerk. So he had to do 24 hours <laughs> back with the guy. But he spear tackle in the semi-final World Cup. It was quite contentious at the time, was it? A divided yeah. opinion. Was it red? Was it yellow? You look at that tackle now, it's a straight red card. Yeah. Like the way the game has come and the rules have, have changed, uh, that's without a doubt a red card now. So <laughs> we can't really have a case to argue. But it was uh, it was huge at the yeah. time. Isn't it? The frustrating thing for us when you look back and reflect on that is probably should have won it anyway. Yeah, just a few yeah. kicks and we have momentum in the game and would have had a chance in the that final that is sport yeah. that is sport teams find a way to win and that day France did you know it's uh, it's, it's so mouthwater in these court finals I mean often people talk about these tournaments the court finals being the best best games because the semis and finals often a real arm wrestle but teams are going to let rip in the court finals as you say, there's going to be some rugby this weekend. So, playing in the World Cup, you've been there, Jay, you've been there, Nico, special. It's special to play in the World Cup, isn't it? So, I believe, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I you've the, been a Brian's made a few unique, times, haven't you? I have a unique um, stat. Uh, it's the only stat I have that's unique in, in Irish rugby. Is I, I was on standby for three World Cups and never got called out. So, uh, I know what it's like to be waiting at home for that phone. And it's a horrible thing to be, to be watching a match kind of going, Jesus, if there's an injury in my position, you know, I'll be on the plane. Oh, not. I mean, not. Balotau's gone and Kieran Hardy's gone. Yeah, exactly. So you, you yeah, that's probably, like, that's probably more of a feature now than it was traditionally. Right, okay. Traditionally, and it's obviously not just Wales. Um, South Africa, you didn't bring yeah. a hooker out, yeah. But, yeah. that you know, the squad used to be a little bit smaller and generally in a specialist position, you'd be out. But, uh, no, I've, I've, I've loved every World Cup. Uh, I was in Japan, and, but this is, I think this is it's the best. Brutal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, because we've got a Fijian with us, it's just quickly on this England... I just it's it's been constant for how many years? Who plays ten for England? So it's usually who plays ten for Wales, isn't it? It's been the old historical yeah. argument. So from a Fijian point of view, what what's your perfect ten, twelve, thirteen that you think? Oh, I fancy this. Would you would you for play Farrell at ten or would you play George uh, Ford? I at think 10? George, George, George Ford, George Ford at ten, twelve. I put Farrell, and thirteen to Alangi. And that's oh. what you'd want to face as a Fijian. Or do yes. you think that's England's strongest combination? To go physical as Fiji, if they want to win this quarterfinal, they need to put one kicking game strategy. They both have a good kicking game, Farrell and Ford. Okay. And uh, the physical, you got to align you on the side there. Mm. I think that will 
Twisova will be there. Good head to head in there. He's, so easy, he's not an easy guy to tackle. Too, no. So no. Go. <laughs> I, I, I think England play Farrell at 10. I think yeah. just yeah. quickly on two, so you had a go tackling him. What's it like? I think so. I think club, I face him for my club once. I mean, Jesus. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all the best. <laughs> Get that as low as he can. Ring of steel yeah. and hope for the best, right? I mean, you know, a lot of these players down here, Botti is another. I mean, how do you tackle that guy? Yeah. Like, all the best. Um, I think they go Farrell at 10. Yeah. I, I, Go on, no, no, I, we're just on, on, I think the 12 has become the key yeah. position. I mean, if you look at it, Bundyak key for Ireland. People talk about Ireland's all singing, all dancing yeah. attack game, but having the ability to be direct and punch holes and obviously get the defence. Well, like a Jamie Roberts. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. And it hasn't it's like changed. Gone out of fashion. Yeah, but, no, but everyone talks about the game evolving, but still, if you have a Dante. Um, look at Manu, mate. You look at back to back World yeah. Cups. Who was mm. at 12 for the Springboks? Damon Diolende when they won it in 2019. History tells us teams that win Rugby World Cup have big ball carrying centres at 12. And I, I think England, if, if England compromise and go Ford Farrell and Tulagi at 13, um, I think that is a compromise. Do they not know yet, though. I know, That's it's crazy. 41 had... games together. Yeah. That axis, and they're still not sure at a quarterfinal stage. And that's this not all Bortwick's like 2015 fault. Yeah. England, when, you know, they brought Burgess in. How do yeah. you not know it? If, if I'm Fiji and I'm seeing Mitchell, Ford, Farrell, there's only one in channel you're attacking. Mm. Only one channel mm. you're going after. So I think Steve Borthwick knows that. Kind of when you look at where, where Fiji are, are capable of causing most damage. I just think for big games, recent history, Farrell's your man at 10. I, I think he's delivered for club and country in, in the big games. And Ford has been fantastic for England. Certainly this tournament, he's come in. The opening match for Argentina was absolutely world-class. Uh, but I just think for when it comes to knockout rugby, the mindset, the quality of Owen Farrell, I think they'll go with him at 10. Who have we missed? What, and what's the any, any other business here? What have we missed? Ireland. Ireland. Ireland, Ireland New Zealand, Zealand yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, okay. New Jeez. Zealand's been I'm, interesting, isn't it? Because we haven't heard that much about them after they lost to France. But It's so rare for New Zealand to be the hunter rather than the hunters. Yeah. And they've become that because of last year. Um, obviously, losing to Argentina, losing a test series to Ireland. But I thought they'd rebuilt pretty nicely. And then that South Africa game and Twickenham, and there's all kinds of excuses, right, in on Tuesday, et cetera. But, and then backing that up with losing the opening game, they've just gone about their business. They're still a quality side, and they're the All Blacks, you know what I mean? And they've legacy in this competition. And I think this week, there's coaches and uh, will we'll try and, I suppose, throw arrows at, or fire arrows at, at Ireland around. Well, they've never done anything in a World Cup, whereas we have. But I'm still not sure that there's that... Four, that, that leadership group, that four or five players who are at the top of their game are in this all-back side. I think they're more vulnerable than ever been, but it'll take a, a phenomenal performance to, to beat them. How big is Joe Schmidt's influence? Massive. I think he's made them better. And like they're, So Joe's primary area of responsibility is the first phase strike attack. And that's, and that's been unbelievable for them. Like The all-backs used to be a team who hurt you on transition, hurt you on counter-attack, and they still can, but it's a real detail. Even against France in the first game, they had three launches that, that really hurt France. Um, so they're detailed. And obviously... He knows the Irish players inside out. Like he is an encyclopedia of knowledge. Even when Leinster were playing Zebra, um, he would name check 23 players, kicks off this, steps off this, you know, weaken his left hand. Like he is a phenomenal brain on the game. And he's, his area there is, is, is to try and hurt Ireland off set piece. Ireland's defences look really good, but for sure there's a weakness somewhere. And if we get exposed there, you know yourself, it just takes, like Ireland scoring the first attack against Scotland, that's a massive uh, blow to Scotland. If Ireland were to concede early against New Zealand from a strike play, then you're chasing the game and, and uh, confidence-wise, you're hurt a little bit. So I think Joe Schmidt is a, is a huge player in this game. 
Yeah, look at that that game, that court final is going to be a game for the ages. <laughs> I, it's going to be one of those games that is remembered. I've no doubt in that. Um, look, at, the All Blacks could have beaten France in that opening match. Come minute 60, obviously yeah. All Blacks get a yellow card and it kind of goes away from them, but they were good enough to win that match. Springboks should have beaten Ireland. They missed 11 points off the tee. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 this quarterfinal draw could have been very different. We knew they were the big pool games, but the, those sides, Ireland and the All Blacks, are, are setting the standard, I think, certainly when it comes to the attacking game. In, in world rugby they are the way Ireland are that what a machine you saw them against Scotland how yeah. how how organising we talk about cohesion being the, the buzzword isn't it? it we need to be like them yeah just mm. just it's it's impressive to watch when they're in full flow but if there's any side that are going to going to challenge them defensively it's the ABs and you say their their legacy in this tournament is unparalleled mm. it's 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 up there and that, that's that, that's what should make Ireland maybe a little bit worried because they have been flying under the radar and when the All Blacks are a knockout rugby, I mean, watch out. It's fair to say Ireland are doing something right in terms of development and, and producing talent going forward. What What, what is it? What, why, are they, why are they so good at it? What's well, going on? I think we were lucky that when we went professional, we stayed in the four provinces. So if you, if you grew up in Galway, you know you're from Connacht. So we probably... Bar Connacht, um, and they probably have 75% of their players are homegrown. So everybody's playing for a jersey or a place that they're from. So that's a big driver. Um, but And obviously, we haven't had any f real financial crisis either, like mo unlike most of their teams. So the RFU are a strong place financially. So when you go to work on a Monday morning in an Irish province, you put down your bag, all you're thinking about is getting better. You don't have any of the other stress. And also, you're not even thinking about moving club usually. You know, other other countries, players have agents ringing them, maybe move club for an extra 10 grand, which well, you understand like is... Wales. Right? Yeah, Wales. which you understand is, is it can be good if you can make more money, but the yeah. Irish players get well paid. There's a tax break to stay in Ireland, so the best players are there and you have the cohesion. Very good coaching, so... Munster have Graham Rowntree, um, you know, Andy Farrell is back, Mike Katz back. They picked up a lot of experience with England, mm -hmm. good and bad, came to Ireland and have, have helped us get better. Joe Schmidt's been there. Lancaster uh, as well. Lancaster, exactly. So we, we pay good money for good coaches. And then you have this school system and, and the RFU are doing huge work to try and not be reliant on the school system. But the reality is those schools are putting a huge amount of money into their rugby development, sports psychology, uh, good coaches, video analysis, etc. at 13, 14, 15 to try and win for the school. But if, they, if the school, if the rugby in the school drops off, the amount of students going there will drop off. The parents want their kids to have that positive rugby experience. And then um, it's a very narrow funnel as well. So only four teams. We're number one in the world, but you're judged on trophies. So thankfully we have a Six Nations trophy and a Grand Slam for this crop. But realistically, the next three weeks or, or maybe next week will decide whether we really can talk about our, our pathways as being the way forward for other other countries. We're going to do predictions very soon. Oh. Jay, I know you'll be excited about that. I know. Uh, before we do that, the Campoi 15, this is what we've been doing on the podcast, a, a chance for you to choose one player, past or present, that you've played with or maybe wanted to, that may have been difficult to play with, but you enjoyed a beer with him after, or maybe just love him and got a great story a, 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 about him or um, her. So, um, Nico, your Campoi 15, who would it be? Who's going in your 15? Uh, Tuisova. In general, he's like a quiet person. You will never, ever see him, like, uh, talk or anything. Even in the, but when you see him in the rugby field, he goes so hard. So I came over to pick him up. He was this little, he was like tiny. I pick it up and I told him, um, I will pick you up in the hotel for six o'clock. And he said, okay, yeah, we will be ready by then. So I was waiting there 
for one hour, Fiji time, and then he arrived. So I think he's he's just like incredible. Um, so he's like really chilled out. Chill person. Yeah. yeah. Like you have the Fijian, Fijian yeah. chill and you have some someone like really, really chill. Um, he's be, obviously, we heard the story about him this week. Yeah, Do you mind if I ask you about that? Like the loss of his son yeah. back home, but he stayed to play against Portugal. Can you explain what would have been behind that thinking? I sent him a message after I uh, I saw it on the social media and I was talking to him. Uh, his boy lives in Fiji that passed away. It's for him, he said, it's, you know, give him another strength to play, like just to stay, not going back, just to stay and fight for the country. I think that's the best way he can remember his son. The legacy of his son. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. It was, can't imagine how difficult that's uh, been for him this week. All right, Jay, you're next. Kampai 15. So many. You've met, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if this is a true record, but I reckon you've played in more countries or more clubs do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've played. Go on, talk us through. Then oh, I've been, I've been French, so fortunate to play where I have. Well, like, South African, Australian Australia. leagues. Yeah. What have I missed? I didn't play in Japan. Didn't play in Japan. I played in, played in quite a lot right, of countries. Because you're rich and, enough, mate. Is it probably something with your Elton John <laughs> glasses? You know, Gucci shirt. Who needs Japan when you're Gucci doing it? Gucci shirt. You're right, mate. You're all right. I think when he retired, the best thing I did about the game was travel and see all these different countries and got to play with some great players, like some amazing lads and, um, you know, in some great stadiums. I got to experience quite a lot in the game. It's, it's, I, I love it. I love travelling with the game. I love touring. Um, and I've met some great, great players down the years and some serious competitors, you know, lads on the field that just you desperately want to, you know, absolutely smash, but then have a beer with off the field. Um, and they're really good people. Uh, Mike Brown was one, um, oh, yeah. no doubt. And I got yeah. to play with him at Quinn's. Danny Kerr, another yeah. gimmick, you know, gift of the gab on the field. Got to know him well uh, when I played at Quinn's. Both really good men. Uh, I'll go Johnny Sexton. Oh. I think Johnny, yeah. Johnny was uh, a serious competitor. He still is. Um, and a guy, you know, coming up against Sexton, Darcy, O'Driscoll, O'Gara. You know, those that, that sort of team. It was a team he desperately wanted to beat. You know, that arguably that rivalry between Ireland and Wales was bigger than Wales England. Yeah. You know, it was Gatlin it was huge. Was yeah, it was a huge back back in the kind of early teens. Um, and on the games were always brutal. And he was one guy you really wanted to get after Johnny, and he was he he gave it he gave it on the field. There's no doubt about that. But then I got to play with him at Racing, and uh, off the field. You know, a great guy, few beers, you know, real humble guy and, you know, really, really friendly fella. I've never had anyone speak to me on the pitch like I have Johnny Sexton. Not even bigger. When I've made a, no, no, when I made a mistake on the field, (laughs) when I made a mistake on the field, you know, the vitriol that came my way in front of all the lads, (laughs) I was like, mate, do not speak to me like that ever again in front of the lads. Um, But it was for a reason. After training, he's like, oh, mate, sorry, I had to do it. Is, is what it is. Inside him, he has this standard that he expects everyone else to meet. You know, Alan, Alan Jones was the same for yeah. Wales. I mean, if you don't meet it, he comes here in front of people. Um, and no one, no one had really done that to me before Johnny Sexton did. And I, look, I respected that. I think it was, uh, I think it was great. He was like that for the Lions. No doubt, Owen Farrell is like that with England. Um, but off the field, great, great Good guy. Boy. Mm-hmm. You, you were nodding. No, America, just uh, Johnny Sexton. Like he's never wrong, whatever. Right? But he actually probably. <laughs> he very rarely is wrong. Um, he like he understands the game really well. But 
it, back in, I did, I did a podcast where, for a coach's podcast, and I said, oh, I'm happy to share drills, okay? So I've got a Dropbox with loads of coaching drills. So I got, I got a message on LinkedIn one day last October, um, and I was traveling somewhere, but the guy said, oh, look, at, I heard you on the podcast. Can you send me some drills, right? So I was traveling somewhere, so I just said, um, I'll get them to you next week, whatever, just that hour. And he said, no, no, I need them urgently, right? So, so I looked at his profile. I couldn't see where he was coaching, whatever. He worked for one of the big accountancy firms. So I said, look, I'm driving at the moment. Here's my number, ring me. So he rang me anyway and he said, uh, oh, I need those drills by Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, right? So I was like, who are you coaching? And he goes, the St. Mary's under eights, okay? <laughs> and I was like, why, why is that important? He goes, you don't know what pressure is, whatever. I've been sacked twice, okay? So I know what pressure is, right? So uh, I said, but why, why is it so important? And he goes, oh, you don't know what it's like to coach Lucas Sexton, right? Which is Johnny's son, okay? Oh, and uh, for Johnny to be watching you at training, right? So I rang Johnny and I was like, I'll go easy on that fella, right? He goes, I didn't set him to him, whatever. I said, you don't have to say something. You know, he can look at you sometimes and you know you're in trouble, right? So anyway, I sent him some drills and, and, and everything was grand. But on the same team is Billy O'Driscoll, okay? Which is Brian's son, okay? So basically, Brian O'Driscoll, or Billy O'Driscoll and Lucas Sexton play together for the same Aries under eights. They're the same age and they're going to go to school together. So... I don't know if you know this, but Stringer and Agara started playing together at six and oh ended up playing goodness. together forever, right? But are they the same positions? No, uh, no uh, but this, so Billy O'Driscoll was a centre. Okay. Luca is a 10, okay? So, but Brian, I spoke to Brian last week and I, told, I said to him, oh, I told him the story, he was laughing. He said, um, he said, yeah, Billy isn't growing. Okay, so Billy's quite short now, so he's been put scrum half. Same as Brian. Yeah, so Brian, yeah, <laughs> Brian <laughs> adapted. <laughs> Brian adapted. <laughs> Brian actually was a scrum half in school for a yeah, while. Was, um, yeah, but uh, so now basically Billy is nine, Lucas ten. So I said, "Oh, are you, uh, are you preparing him for what's ahead of him, whatever?" And he goes, "Yeah, no, I bring him out to back garden." on a weekend and get him to do scrum half passes to me. And I said, okay. And he goes, yeah, whenever he throws me a bad pass, I fire the ball back at him and say, don't give me that shit, <laughs> right? Because, because effectively that's what he's in for over yeah, the next couple so. of years. So uh, yeah, no, um, harden him up, harden him up. As you know, that just proves in a nutshell, you know, that system that Leinster have, Dublin there. You, that's cohesion for you. You wouldn't bet against it in the next yeah. sort of 15 yeah. years, would you? Go You're on fortunate in. if you've got a dad like who's played yeah. like those guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy's shown any signs yet, uh, Jay? Oh, you? most definitely not. No, no. He's not even a rugby tots yet. So <laughs> give him a chance, Kevin. Give him a chance. Um, who's, your, who's in your 50s? So I'm going to pick a guy I played with, um, a Cook Islander, a fellow called Stan Wright. Unbelievable character. Uh, he came into Leinster as a medical joker. He arrived on a Tuesday and he had to play against Agen and um, this journalist in Ireland, Neil Francis, uh, I remember on the Sunday he wrote, oh, well done Leinster, you've signed a prop who wore rollerblades in a scrum. That's how quickly he went back, right? So <laughs> he, he, he had a bad start, but he ended up being a, a key man first, but great guy on the piss. He had a great great time in Leinster and went on to Stade Francais and Narbonne and Oina and he's back now in, in New Zealand building houses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's rugby in a <laughs> nutshell, isn't it? Predictions. For this weekend? No. Who's going to win the World Cup? Ooh. I believe in Ireland. Actually, do this. Well, you've, this weekend's good as well. Go okay. On. I'd better say Ireland. If, <laughs> you better win if you want to win the quarterfinals. Yeah, let's be confusing. South Africa. South Africa beat France. Yeah. Wow. England to, to squeeze Fiji. Wales, Argentina. Wales. I think Wales. I think Argentina looked better, but I think Wales will up it again. A little bit of a dip. And yeah, so Wales, Wales will beat Argentina for me. And then Ireland win the World Cup. Yeah. Jay? Well, I think Wales and England will both win. Oh, I'm going to go Southern Hemisphere. I think All Blacks, Springboks. Uh, don't know why, just gut feeling. I think knockout rugby. Who wins it then? I think New Zealand, Springboks final. New Zealand will win. Wow. It's toss of a coin game. It's I mean, really it's difficult. nuts, isn't it? How hard is it? Like, you know, it's brilliant though, isn't it? Even even objectively, like you can't, you can't pick no. winners in these games. Exactly what the tournament needs. You've been listening to the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you by Asahi Superdry. A big thank you to Bernard, to Jamie, to Nico. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup, uh, lads, and we'd love to hear from you. Please leave a comment. Who's going to win this thing? And we'll see you next week. Mm.